prophet to the nations. I have chosen you out of the world. You did not choose me. I chose you. I have given you all authority and power. You shall receive my power and be my witness. You shall be strong and do great exploits. You shall be bold. You shall be fearless. You shall stand in my name. You shall be... Very glad you're here and uh, have survived some rain. Man, what a, what a weekend uh, to see so many affected by the floodwaters. I hope, uh, I hope you were not one of those. And for those that were, uh, we pray for you and uh, for comfort and uh, restoration of what you have. Um, the Lord's been blessing here at Vertical, of course, for some time. And recent weeks, we have, uh, we've seen a lot of new folks visiting and becoming a part of what God is doing here. And uh, a lot of families coming, young families. And so one of the areas that we've experienced some of the most growth has been in our children's area, and most notably the preschool area, and even more specifically the nursery. And so today we have, uh, we've created a second nursery class downstairs so that we can have better individualized care for those birth through, you know, two toddler age area right in there. So uh, we're excited and looking forward to what's ahead because we know there are some other areas in our, our preschool and children's area that need to uh, grow as well and that are growing. We need some other workers there. So uh, I'd say to you this morning, if you're one of those that loves to rock a baby every once in a while, every, you know, three or four weeks, you just got to get your baby fixed. Man, have we got a spot for you. So... Um, I, I, Jamie will talk to you more about that later in our service today, but what an exciting time. What a, what a great way to help young families to know you're going to sacrifice a little bit of your time so that a family can be in here and hear God's word and grow and worship and experience all that God has for them. Amen? Yeah. So uh, Heather and I this past week went down to Wimberley. Had never been there before. Found a little cabin down there. The little, you know, touring of the shops and sightseeing in that area. And of course, you know, we did what you do in this day. You get your phone out, you get your maps app and you type in Wimberley and you hit go. Right. I mean, that's kind of what we do today. Believe me, that's new for me. I grew up in the generation, uh, not even maps go generation. I grew up in the map, the folding map generation, right? So I go on a you know, trip with my mom and dad, and I was a navigator, and I had this little you know, pouch full of maps. Oh, we're in Oklahoma. Let me look at my Oklahoma map. You know, pull it out. And where are we going, Dad? You know, and I was the navigator. Okay, we'll take this turn here. And oh, we're in Tennessee now. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, pull out the Tennessee map, unfold it, and all this stuff. Well, it's just not that way anymore. So <clears throat> you type in your phone now, maps, Wimberley. It tells you it's three hours and 19 minutes from here. And it tells you the fastest route to take there. And you can hit go and it'll tell you turn by turn where to go. Go to this street and 200 feet, turn right, turn left and half a mile, all that kind of thing. But before you do that, you have an option. On your screen, it says driving options. I don't know if you've ever scrolled to that part before, but you can click on driving options and it tells you you have a couple of options here. You can avoid tolls or you can avoid highways. You can select either one of those and click done and say, okay, 
I'm going to get now the route to my destination that either avoids tolls. One, I get to go and I don't have to pay any extra. I just go on the highway I've already paid taxes for. Or I can go on another highway and I can pay a little bit more, right? And of course, it's so easy these days. You don't even have to stop and throw your coins in the slot anymore. They just whoop, take a picture of your license plate. You get a bill in the mail and you pay an extra dollar twenty-five because you did that. Unless you have a little fast pass thing. But you can use this app <clears throat> to avoid tolls or highways. I want to avoid the cost and I want to avoid the trouble, the traffic that may be there. I want to avoid those. I want to take the easiest, quickest route I can to get there. Nothing wrong with that. Unless you're applying that same app to your faith. Unless you're saying, God, I've got a destination out there. I've got a place I want to get to. In my life, my marriage, my parenting in my career and God I would like to avoid the toll path please I'd like to avoid anything along the way that's going to take me into some extra cost I'd like to avoid please God anything that's going to take me in the path of where there could be a little bit of resistance that could cause me to have to take some extra time and believe me I'm that guy if there's anything I'm really impatient with, it's sitting in traffic. Oh my goodness. I, you know, I can't stand that. So I'm looking for the route that'll take me even five miles out of the way as long as I can keep moving. But I'm telling you, when it comes to matters of faith and destination in life, the path that God has for you is designed with cost. It's designed with resistance. And if you're trying to miss out on those you're really going to miss out on really what God has for you. We're in our series called Dauntless. Having a faith that is focused and determined regardless of what's in the way. So I want to give you a verse today that kind of sets the stage for where we're headed. It's not from the book of Daniel. <clears throat> it's from the book of Proverbs. And here's what it says. The integrity... <clears throat> Excuse me. The integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. Now, I know those are some New King James words we might not use every day. Let me break it down just a little bit here. Here's what the verse is saying. If you want to know what God's will for your life is, you want to know the path, you want to know the destination, you want to know how to get to where you want to get, then the path will be the path of integrity. In other words, you'll be willing to go the course regardless of the cost. I will do what's right regardless. I won't cheat. I won't compromise. I won't lie. I won't steal. I will not get involved in any immorality even though no one might see it. I will stay true and stay with integrity because that's the path. That's how you get to the destination. The integrity of the upright will guide them. It will actually cause the path to open up before you. And the opposite is true as well. Those who live to twist and distort, those who choose to compromise and let stuff slide, to get in, involved in things that will actually cause some detriment to your life, even if it's just a little, that path will actually destroy you. Today we're going to see how in the book of Daniel, three friends 
three young men chose the path of integrity and they chose the path of doing what's right regardless of the pain, the sacrifice, the cost, the fire even. And when they did, God showed up in a way no one could have ever predicted. Daniel chapter 3 is where we are today. If you want to turn your Bible, Daniel chapter 3. If you have a Bible app, if you need to download one, I hope you'll do so. Follow along, Daniel chapter 3. It's the whole chapter we're going to look at today. I'm going to break it down. We're not going to go verse by verse through the whole chapter, but let me kind of give you a, a, a setting. Let me give you a background reference for where we are. Daniel chapter 3, <clears throat> we're some 600 years past uh, when the children of Israel, God's people, should have entered into a land that he had given them, a nation, a place that they should have entered into and enjoyed. And we find them this sometime later, and they have really been a people of compromise. They've been the ones who've walked in their own ways. They've kind of slid to the side. They've neglected God. They've put him on the back shelf. They've put him on the back burner and said, we're going to do our own thing. And they've kind of played the adulterer with some other gods. And... They're facing the fire as a result. They're facing some discipline from God because they've done this. In fact, God has allowed another nation to come and invade them. That's what God does in his scheme of things. So they have found themselves invaded. They have found their chief young men, the brightest, most noble, the ones of excellent character. They've been captured by Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and he's taken them back to his land, and he has begun the process of making them part of his administration. He's been retraining them. He's been teaching them his ways. He's been trying to undo who they were so he can use them for what he wants. He's tried to give them new names. He's tried to give them new food. He's tried to give them new drink, a new way of living, so that they might forget all that they were before. They might forget their integrity and now walk in his ways. And Daniel, most notably, has said, I will not do it. I may be in another land. I may be in another place where no one sees me. I may be at a place where no one would know what I'm doing, but I will not compromise. I will not give in. I will not defile myself with what the king is offering. So Daniel's done this. <clears throat> His three friends have done this as well. They've actually picked up new names in this, uh, this land. Their names in the new land are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Their names after the gods in the new land. And because of Daniel's stand and because of their stand and some things that God has done up to this point, they all get promoted. I mean, they were already in the administration. Now they get promoted up. These are young men, but because God has blessed them, they get promoted on up pretty high in Nebuchadnezzar's administration. And we get to chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar is, and we get to see some of his arrogance. We get to see a man who is full of himself and full of into the process of world dominance. Have you ever been around someone who is just so arrogant and full of themselves? You know, after a while, I was like, ugh, I gotta get away from this guy. All he does is talk about himself. All he does is promote himself. All he does is put everybody else down. And you're like, ugh. This is King Nebuchadnezzar. He's that on steroids. So much so that he has a golden image built. That is a reference to him and the gods that he serves. The Bible described there in Daniel chapter 3, if you convert the numbers over, that this image, this statue, is 90 feet tall. Okay, that's a nine-story building. 
in our world today. And this golden image is set up, and there comes a day in which it's kind of inauguration day. It's the big day. It's the big day everybody's going to come together, and we're going to celebrate Nebuchadnezzar and the gods. He calls everyone together. He says, I want the finest music played. I want every instrument we can get. I want as large a band as we can get. We're going to play the music. And here's what's going to happen. When we all come together, everybody comes together. I want everyone, when the music plays, to bow down to the image. I want everyone to worship these gods. Everybody's going to play by the rules that Nebuchadnezzar sets up. It sets up a, a culture, a governmental rule that has these idols involved, summed up in this one golden image, representing himself as well. And everyone is called to bow to it. Everyone is called to serve it. And he's so insistent, Nebuchadnezzar, <clears throat> that he says, if you don't bow down, I'm going to kill you. Wow, what a culture. You have to do what we say or we are going to hate you and kill you. Sound familiar? You're going to be part of this culture. You're going to follow our ways or we will see that life for you is miserable. In fact, we'll not only take your life, but we're going we're to cause you to suffer when you die. We're going to throw you into a furnace of fire. And you will pay death by fire while others watch because you would not bow down and serve our gods. This is the setting for Daniel chapter 3. These three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, see what's happening, hear the call. They know all about it because they're part of the administration. The day comes and they're all gathered together. The music plays and these three guys are at the back. Like, mm -mm, can't do it. We're followers of the one true God. We will not bow. We will not serve their gods. You know, I was thinking it would have been so easy for them to just blend in. Just like, no one's going to know. This isn't really real for us. Let's just do it so that things will go well for us, okay? Everybody, let's bow, but let's really pretend like we're not, okay? You know? That would have been easy to do. Their moms and dads weren't watching. There were not any press there. No one would have known. There was no one from their church there. No one would have seen. They could have just as easily bowed down, served the God outwardly, and said, but we're not really doing it inwardly. But these three men were men of integrity. They said, we cannot. We cannot go along with it. We cannot compromise. God has called us to serve Him only. We will not bow. So the Scripture says that they just refrain. It doesn't say they started a protest march. It doesn't say they started a petition. It just says that they didn't bow. But someone saw them. Someone else from the administration saw them. I have to think it was someone else that got passed over for a promotion. These three men got promoted and overlapped them, and they didn't like it. So they were quick to tell Nebuchadnezzar, Hey, those guys, they didn't bow. They didn't serve your God. They're, they're not being allegiant to you, Nebuchadnezzar. 
This is where we pick up today in the scripture. Three young men who choose to walk in integrity. Daniel chapter 3, verse 14. It says, Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Here they are. They're called in. Called on the carpet. Verse 15. Now, if you're ready, at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, and you will fall down and worship the image of gold which I have made. Good. In other words, Nebuchadnezzar says, look here. It's going to happen again this afternoon. We've got our second service before the golden image. And we're all going to come in. And everybody's going to bow down. This is your time. This is your moment. Boys, are you going to bow down? If you do, good. You'll be fine. He goes on in verse 15, the second part. And he says, but if you do not worship, you will or you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Wow, what a test. What a moment. These guys, their faith is on the line. What they have said, they're about to have to prove. What they have declared is about to have to be proclaimed. This is the moment. They're going to have to choose to go with Nebuchadnezzar, or they're going to have to choose to go with their God. If they go with Nebuchadnezzar, everything goes fine for them. Promotion, still intact. Big house, still intact. Lots of popularity, still there. Same number of Facebook friends, you still got them. It's all, you get all of it. You get all of it if you'll just bow down, if you'll just do what the world says. Just follow the culture. Give in. Just don't keep claiming this allegiance to your God. The challenge is on. What will they do? Will they give in? Will they choose to be true? Will they obey not knowing what's going to happen next, except that the king has promised they'll be thrown to a fiery furnace? Verse 16, 17. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. Wow, what, a, what an in-your-face moment. You know, I'm sure they didn't do it with a bunch of arrogance and swagger, you know, and hip-hop form, you know. I don't, I don't think that's what's happening. But there is this bold faith confidence. King, we're not going to bow. We will not give allegiance up to you and your gods. You can, you can do what you want, but we believe our God is going to deliver us. That's how confident we are. Let's move on to verse 18. These guys say this. But, but this. If not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. In other words, king, we believe God is going to deliver us. He's going to set us free from your hand. But know this, if he does not, we will not serve your gods and we will not worship the gold image you've set up. You talk about confident, bold faith. Even if it costs us 
our job security, even if it costs us our social status, even if it costs us the friends we've developed, even if it costs us what we have achieved, even if it costs us our lives, we will not bow. We will not serve your gods. This is dauntless faith. And if you and I are going to have dauntless faith in our day, you and I have to establish some boundaries, some walls, some, some practices in our life where we say, because of what I believe, I will not. I will not go with them. I will not bow down to their gods. I will not go in their way. It's kind of our first big point here this morning. Dauntless faith builds boundaries of belief with walls of I will not. The fact that you proclaim Jesus Christ means that there ought to be some areas in your life that you set up as boundaries, as walls, where you say, I will go this far, but I will not go that far. This is my purpose. This is who I am. This is what I believe. Therefore, I will not serve the gods. I will not go the way of the world. If you don't set that up, if you don't put up some boundaries, if you don't put up some walls, you are just an open field ready to be attacked by anything that's out there. Faith requires that we have some kind of walls of belief in our life. Some places that we say, I cannot go there. I will not go there. And you cannot wait until you get in the moment to decide if you're going to do that. You've got to choose that before you ever get there. You've got to choose that in places of faith and confidence. You've got to choose that in times like this morning. Where we're all gathered together in the presence of God. We're all gathered together to support one another. We're all gathered together and God is present here with us. Amen? It's in times like this that you make those commitments. It's in times like this that you put up the walls and say, I will not. Now, I realize for every person, it may be a little different what you choose to not do. Because of some struggles you've had in your life up to this point, some pains you've experienced some temptations you have but if you don't have some kind of will nots in your life then you'll be open to a whole bunch of wills that'll destroy you so to just give some handles today to what I'm talking about I want to give you some examples of some I will nots and the I will not always come because of some I wills, right? I believe this, I will serve my God, therefore I will not. I believe this, therefore I will not. I value this, therefore I will not. Let me give some examples. Because growing in my faith is important, I will not watch TV or movies that are a distraction to my faith. This part's going to get a little uncomfortable. I'm just going to tell you up front, all right? And I'm praying that whatever God has to say to you, not the person next to you in front of you or the one that you wish was here, but to you, that you'll hear what he has to say. Because growing in my faith is important, I will not listen to music that doesn't build up my faith. 
I will not waste my time with activities that don't build up my faith. I will not stay in relationships that are not building up my faith. And I will not neglect time in Scripture, praying, and personal worship. You see how this kind of works here? Because growing in my faith is important, I put up some walls, some boundaries of some will nots. If you don't put those up, you'll fall prey to whatever comes into your life. Let's move on to a second area. Because my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and I'm called to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I will not use substances for my peace or release. I will not use alcohol for my peace or release. I will not use food for my peace or release. I will not allow my appetites to control me. I told you it's going to get a little uncomfortable, right? You with me? Too uncomfortable to even nod your head? There's, other, there's some others here. I'm just getting started. <clears throat> because I am called to love, Je- love as Jesus loved. Because I'm called to love other people in the same way Jesus loved people. I will not allow bitterness to take root in my heart. I will not allow resentment to control me. I will not miss out on opportunities to sacrifice for others. You see how this works? You you choose to limit some things in your life because of what you believe about your life. You set some standards based on what God has called you to. You've got to set up some walls. Because my words have power to reflect Jesus. Because my words have the power to reflect Jesus to the people around me, whether it be my wife, husband, children, co-workers, neighbor, whoever, I will not use profanity in my life. I will not gossip. I will not speak out of anger. I will not tell jokes that are inappropriate. I will not shy away from speaking about Jesus and his work for me. Are you catching on? Because of what I believe, there are some things I will not do. Because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, here are some things we believe we will not bow down. Because my marriage is a picture of Jesus and the church, I will not have improper relationships with the opposite sex. I will not allow work to become more important than my marriage. I will not speak negatively about my spouse to others. I will not visit websites or places that are immoral and destructive to my marriage. Number six, because I am a steward of the money God has given me, I will not use what God has given me for my own selfish pleasures. I will not waste what God has given me on things that do not build up the kingdom. I will not miss out on opportunities to give and bless others. And our seventh area. Because I am called to be an influencer for Christ in this culture, I will not stay silent. I will not have weak faith I will not 
bowed down at the altar of indifference or hopelessness. I will not bow to the ways of the godless and immoral. I will not compromise. I will not camel myself into the culture. I will stand out. I will believe. I will obey. I will be dauntless in my faith. Amen. You see, this is what you do if you're going to be dauntless. You stop camoing yourself into the culture. I don't really have any camo apparel. I'm not really a hunting guy. Tried it, done some of it, it's not my thing. I appreciate those who do, got nothing against those who do. I don't have any camo clothing. I think it's cool. I had some camo pants one time. And of course, uh, you know, come all the jokes. Oh, I just saw a half a person walking around. I didn't see your legs. You know, right? Those camo, it's camo joke. They can't see because, yeah, right. <laughs> But there are people who do that. They, they, they come to a church service like this and proclaim Jesus Christ, but they walk right out of here and do everything they can to hide the fact that they believe in Jesus Christ. They don't want to wear a shirt that says anything about Jesus or church on it. They don't want to have a sticker on their car when they're driving down the road that says vertical church on it. Uh-oh. They don't want to too, too boldly proclaim the name of Jesus because it might cause a little social reaction. It might cause a little rejection. It might cause some little tension with some friends. It might cause some tension in the community. And so therefore, you got a bunch of Christians today who name the name of Christ, but they hide the name of Christ from everybody in their life. They're more, they're more focused on their comfort and their camo. And when you're focused on your comfort and your camo, you know what the next thing is you'll do? You'll compromise. You'll give in. Because you don't want to appear different. So when everybody else is doing something you know you shouldn't be doing. You'll camo yourself right up into the situation and compromise your faith because you don't want it have to face a little bit of social rejection. But if you're going to be dauntless in your faith, you've got to set that stuff aside. You've got to be willing to unclick, avoid cost. Avoid confrontation. You've got to be willing to boldly stand for the name of Jesus Christ and face whatever comes with it because you know God will show up on the other side of your conviction. Mm. Let's get back to the story and see what happens to Daniel's friends. Verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury and the expression of his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. There was apparently this furnace, this place that was used for a variety of reasons, but one of those was for people who wouldn't follow the king's ways, those who wouldn't go along. And this fire, Nebuchadnezzar, he comes so infuriated at these guys. He says, look, I want you to heat that thing up. I want you to heat it up seven times what we normally heat it. I'm mad. These guys are in my administration. These guys are the ones I've trusted, and now they're not following me. This is going to be bad for them. Verse 20, and he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This guy, he calls in his toughest 
his biggest, his smartest warriors. And he says, I want you to tie them up. Tie them up good and tight. I want you to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. I don't want you to just walk them up to it. I want you to toss them in. I want you to cast them. I want you to throw them in there. I want them to know and I want everybody else to know you won't get away with this in my kingdom. Verse 21. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and other garments, and they were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. They didn't have a chance to go home, do anything. They just got tied up in that moment, and they were immediately tossed into the fiery furnace. Verse 22, Therefore, because the king's command was urgent, and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The guys who tie them up, the guys who have bound them up, the biggest, smartest, most strategic, wisest military men, they go to toss them into this furnace, which must have been some kind of pit that was set up that you could see down into. And these men drag them over, and as they're throwing them in, the heat is so extreme that it burns up the men throwing them into the fire. It's hot. It's tragic. Verse 23, and these men, or these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound, into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. They didn't walk into it. They didn't really have an option. They were thrown into it. And it says they fell down, bound. Nobody likes falling down. But I sure don't like falling down if I'm all bound. If my arms are tied up, my feet are tied up, I don't have a choice how I land. Not that it would make a difference in a fiery furnace. These men are tossed in. The ones who toss them burned up. And these men are now facing the pain of standing for the one true God. These men are having to pay the price because they refused to bow. Dauntless faith will be offensive and costly. You know, it's funny for us today, we, I know what we do because I, I am a part of the we. We like to measure how much it's going to cost us based on the stance we take. Right? So we think through, well, if I say this to my family member, it could cause this to happen, which could cause this to happen, which might make, eh, I'm not going to do it. I could take a stand at my work and say, you know, I can't be involved any longer in changing these numbers. That's not right. I could do that, but if I do, I'll probably lose my job. I don't have any friends anymore. And so we decide, I won't do that because I don't like what it costs me. Right? We're clicking the button that says avoid tolls is what we're doing. 
We're choosing to not go against the culture group, to not go against the friend group, to not go against the group that's doing what they're doing. And rather than say, no, I cannot go there with you, we say, okay, let's go. And we immediately put on the mask. We camo ourselves into the culture so that we don't have to face the fire of rejection. So we don't have to be pointed out as, oh, you're the Christian guy, right? Oh, you're the Jesus follower, right? So we just camo ourselves into the situation. We choose what's comfortable. And when you camo yourself and seek comfort, you will compromise. But you and I have got to get something straight. When you stand for your convictions, it's going to be uncomfortable. People in the world will not like it. It will be offensive to them. I didn't say you have to be offensive. You don't. But you can be as kind, wise, careful in your words, humble, diligent to make sure you say it in just the right way, and the world will be offended by the fact that you've taken a stand for Jesus Christ. It's just going to happen. And if you and I are too afraid of what that's going to cost us, then you have just removed the walls, opened up your life to whatever is out there, and you're choosing compromise over conviction. And I cannot promise you that God's going to bless and protect you when you're walking out there in compromise instead of conviction. And for these three guys, they're facing the fire anyway. But the story is not over. It never is for those who have conviction. The story goes on, verse 24, and it says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste. In other words, he got up off of his throne chair. He got up off of his place of authority and ruling. And he spoke and said to his counselors, Hey, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? Didn't we just throw three guys in there? And they answered and said to the king, True. Oh, king. True, dad. True. True, dude. True up. Yeah, we did. My kids are embarrassed. Verse 25. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Nebuchadnezzar says, wait a minute, wait a minute, everybody look, look in there. We threw three guys in there, and they fell down bound, but... Something odd is happening. Something I didn't count on is happening. I look and they're not hurt. They're they're in the fire. They're not off in the corner. They didn't sneak out. They're still in the fire. But they're not hurt. In other words, they're standing up. It says they're, they're moving around. In the place of their greatest pain, they're just there. They're just talking to one another like, dude, what's up? This is awesome. This is one hot place, isn't it? Man, look. Yeah. Hey. 
My kids are embarrassed again. So, they're there, and, they, and they're not hurt. But here's, here's the craziest part. Nebuchadnezzar says, look, we threw three in there, but I, I see a fourth one. I see another person in there. And, and there's something completely different about him. He looks like the Son of God. I have to believe that this is one of the, what theologians call the pre-incarnate versions, a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. Before he comes born of a virgin, he shows up in the fire. He shows up in the place where they are suffering, where they've been burned, where they've been hurt, where they're having to pay for their stand for Christ. In the midst of it is the Son of God. Jesus loved to show up in the places where we stand dauntless in our faith. And he loved to show up in ways that you would not have imagined. There's no record of Shadrach, Meshach, or Abednego saying, hey guys, you know what? If we'll go ahead and allow them to tie us up and go in the fire, uh, I have it on pretty good word that the Son of God's going to appear and we're going to be walking around in there loose. I, I think that's going to happen. Mm -mm. There's no record of that. That's not what they thought or knew. They just knew they could not bow. And so when they held to their conviction, then Jesus showed up. You, you're praying for stuff in your life right now. I know you are because I do this too. I have stuff I'm praying will come to pass. I'm praying for certain people in my life that I know are struggling. I'm praying for uh, areas of my own life where I want to see God work, where I want to see Him more in my own life. And it's funny, we all think that one day He's going to just hear that prayer and go, oh, okay, poof, done. Answer the prayer, miracle. You know what God likes to do, though? He could do that. He can go, poof. But what he likes to do is create situations where you and I have to stand for truth. Have to stand and really put our faith in him. And he'll even design a fire for us. That we will say, God, if I must go through the fire, I'll go through it for you. And for those who will take that stand, for those who will choose to love him regardless, believe him regardless, he shows up in their life in miraculous ways. All of a sudden, that, that marriage thing that you just hadn't seen through yet, that struggle that you just hadn't seen the answer to yet when you get into the fire and in the midst of it you say God I don't know what's going on here this is crazy I can't see the answer I can't see what's ahead but God I'll trust you I'll obey you I won't compromise I'll keep my eyes focused on you for those who will walk forward in that Jesus will show up in your marriage in a way you hadn't expected today amen hello do we believe this stuff or not for those areas in your life where you think, I don't know how I'm ever going to get past this struggle I'm going through right now. Hello, 
You choose to hold to your convictions. You stop camoing yourself into the world. You stop seeking your own comfort. You refuse to compromise. You stand your convictions. And when you do, watch out. Jesus will show up in the fire in a way you hadn't expected before. Amen? Yeah, there you go. Now we're getting somewhere. This is what happens when we stand firm in what he's called us to. Where we stand true in what he has said. Dauntless faith is where Jesus reveals his greatest glory. Really. It's where he shows up. It's not how we would have chosen it. You and I don't say, Lord, bring me, bring me through so much pain that I can barely stand it, and it might even take my life, and then I'll just be happy to see your presence. That's not what we do. We're looking for the quick way out, the easy way out. We're looking to avoid the tolls, avoid the traffic, and get to the destination. And he says, look, I've got something I'm doing, but you're going to have to go through the toll. You're going to have to go through the traffic. The destination is ahead when you will choose to hold true to your convictions. Verse 26, we wrap up the story. It says, Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke. He said, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire. They came walking out of there. They, they got up out of their place of pain. They got up out of the place that was intended to destroy them. Verse 20. Oh man, where am I? 27. Thank you. And the satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together. This is all of his administration. And they saw these men on, whom, on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. Wow. These guys walk out of a burning, fiery furnace that had been heated to seven times the strength that it normally was. It had taken the life of those who had tried to, or had thrown them in. But when they see these three men come out, when they come out of the fire, it says that the fire had no power over them. And it describes what that means, so that we didn't just try to say, oh, that's beautiful poetic language. It says, no, here's the deal. The hair on their head was not singed. You ever been close enough to a fire that it singed the hair on your hand or your hair? It stinks, doesn't it? And it gets all, it just goes just like that. These guys have been in this fire for a little time and they come out and there's nothing singed on them. They've still got all the hair on their arms. It's awesome. They got all the hair on their heads. And it says, and their garments were not affected. And the smell of fire was not on them. I, I like to smoke some brisket every once in a while in the backyard. And when I do, I'm going to have the smell of brisket on me all day long. It's awesome. It's the best <laughs> men's cologne ever. You just go around and smell like brisket all day. These guys come out of the fire and there's nothing on them. 
You can't tell. You can't say, ooh, dude, you need to get some new clothes. You can't tell. Their clothes aren't burned. Their hair's not singed. You couldn't even tell by smelling them that they'd been in a fire, that they'd been through something tragic, that they'd been through something difficult because God had brought them out, and he brought them out not just to safety, but he protected everything about them while they were in it. You see, God... Hmm. That's so much I want to say. Dauntless faith will preserve you through what destroys others. For people who've put their faith in Jesus Christ, they've, they've committed to hold true to his promises, and they say, I will not bow. They may go through some fire. They may go through some social rejection. They may go through some incredible difficulty. They may go through the loss of their job. They may go through some family destruction. But for those who proclaim Jesus Christ, trust in Him, they'll walk out of that and they will not have the scars that others have when they go through it. You'll come out of it Still hurting, but you'll know how to forgive instead of hold revenge. You'll come out of it desiring to love instead of to hate. You'll come out of it not saying, what in the world is going on with my life? You'll come out of it saying, God is with me. And when you do that, you'll find yourself physically, mentally, emotionally, preserved through the fire. Let's finish it up. Verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him, and they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not worship any god except their own god. Nebuchadnezzar is watching all of this, and he says, Blessed be God. Nebuchadnezzar is going through a, a change right here. God's working in Nebuchadnezzar's life right here. Verse 29. Therefore I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces. Uh Uh-oh. You're talking about the laws of the land just changed. You're talking about the heart of the ruler of the land just changed. He says, and their houses shall be made in ash heap because there is no other God who can deliver like this. Our final point today is this. God blesses the dauntless who refuse comfort, camo, or compromise. We live in a day that is desperate to see the fresh hand of God at work. The fresh hand of God at work in a community, in a church, in a marriage, in a family. We live in a day we need to see big change in our culture. And we, and we can't point out there. We have to point in here. Are you willing today to refuse to compromise any longer? Would you be willing to take some stands in your life and quit camoing yourself up into some cultural mess? Would you be willing to set yourself apart? 
Would you be willing to say to some of your friends and co-workers, I cannot do that. I will not do that. Would you be willing today to set some standards in your life? To establish some convictions in your life? Where you'd say, I once did this, but no longer. Because it is the integrity of the righteous that protects and provides the path that God has. Now look, God is speaking right this moment. He's talking to you individually. He's pointing out some very specific areas in your life that he's calling you to set aside, to stop doing what you've done and start following him, to repent of some old ways you've had and make Jesus Christ the lead in your life, to put him first. And because of that, you make some very tough conscious convictions today, right now. Not later, not Tuesday when you get into the situation, but today that says, I will not anymore. Would you bow your heads with me? I know this morning it may be tempting to think, man, I have messed this thing up. I've done this before. I can't. I don't know if I can do it again. Look, God gives forgiveness for those who come to him God can clear your past when you believe by faith in what Jesus has done for you. And he will give you the strength to believe and commit and face the fire. And still believe and commit and face the fire. And continue to believe and commit and face the fire. This is what the follower of Jesus Christ must do in this generation. This is what we must do as a church today. So with God speaking to you right now, would you, would you pray, you pray to him? God, today, I commit to you. I will not. What? What is it for you? What is it today that you're choosing to no longer do? Because He is Lord of your life. Father, today, I thank You that there is forgiveness for all that's in the past. I thank You that there is life in You. You call us to Yourself out of where we've been, no matter where it has been. And we run to You now, arms open wide, to You to receive love and forgiveness but also to now commit and say, we will follow you only. No more will I do what I've done. No more will I let that practice hold me down, that sin invade my life, that group of friends entice me to do what I used to do. Today, I commit to you, Jesus. If that's where you are today, could you just lift your hand and say, I'm making some fresh commitment to Jesus Christ today. Just lift your hand as a testimony to God. I'm making a fresh commitment today. There are some things I'm saying I will not. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, today, as we commit, we trust our lives to you so that you 
will have control over what happens next. And we believe that you will deliver us through whatever trial or fire comes our way. But even if you do not, we will trust you only. So God, today as your church, we commit to be your church. Holy, righteous, true, bold, strong, confident that we will not bow to any other except you, our Lord. And it's in the name of Jesus, the confident name of our Lord Jesus, that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Would you stand with us as we sing today? I hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. I hope it has inspired you to lift him up and live him out. If you'd like to know more about Vertical Church, check us out online at verticalchurchovilla.com. We'll see you next time.